1: Magic Without Fears Hermetic Podcast. I'm your host, Frater RC. For more and exclusive
0: episodes, visit magicwithoutfears.com. Thank you for your support.
1: Welcome to Magic Without Fears Hermetic Podcast. I rarely do an official beginning, but you deserve one because you're an official guy. And we were set up through an official book distributor. Yeah. And so this is the first time we're meeting. Yeah. Welcome, Alex Kazemi. Did I say that last name right?
2: Yeah, yeah, Kazemi. That's the one, yeah.
1: Normally, I might be nervous uh, to talk to someone that a publisher sent me. But after uh, reading your book and a little other uh, checking you out, I was like, oh, he's also from Vancouver. Yeah. And yeah. I, the day I got your book from your publisher in the mail, I was walking to the shop. You know, just down to the mushroom dispensary on Davy, where I live here, as yeah. one does. And uh, there was posters of you all over the street, yeah, on the, on the walls. So I took a selfie, and I'll, I'll have to send it to you. But send it to your. Publisher. I got in trouble for those
2: ads from my parents.
1: <laughs> well, let's start there.
2: <laughs> yeah, that's that's rude. that's pretty Tell- funny tell us about the
1: ads a lot of listeners here have books and products out there and so tell us about this well ad. I think
2: I think it was sort of like an unconventional uh imagery that you're not really supposed to see in a art um in a in a book ad it kind of looks more like a Fiona Apple music video screenshot so I kind of wanted to just do something a little jarring and intense and um I think the whole idea of being like a simulacra and in the media today is like a everything is so hyper intense and performative so it's sort of like a sarcastic node to it that like how everyone portrays themselves on the internet and stuff yeah
1: I (laughs) I noticed you mentioned um the simulation in your book I like that you had a little chapter on the simulation and and the matrix and stuff um the that that wasn't so much an idea when I was like learning magic in the early 90s and and uh, coming out of my background, which is in uh, transcendental meditation, in a Maharishi family, um, uh, believe have—I believe—we have a friend named Anne in common. Um, yeah, you might have also met. Uh, yeah,
2: TM, you know. I go to the TM center. Wow. Have you met, yeah. have you met Chelsea? Uh, I think I met Chelsea when I met Bob Roth yeah. at the event. I'm pretty sure. I think yeah, she was there.
1: So that's like my family and stuff. Oh, cool. Um, yeah, so I—I was I started doing that in '88. When I was seven, what's well, about the, the starting age and yeah, the whole initiation with the incense and guru. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah. Are we not you like- supposed to talk
2: about it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, are we not? <laughs> no, you can you can leave it in. But yeah, no, of course. I loved I loved it. I loved the initiation. I do TM twice a day. Um, very religious about it, have had really hundreds of day streaks I wish I could be like David Lynch and say that I haven't missed a day but I am I do my best to, to be as disciplined as possible but h- how have your experiences with TM been
1: um, I think growing up in the community it was different from me and so I abandoned it in when I was around 11 12. My, though you know that collides with family stuff there was a divorce both my parents sort of stopped and then there was you know trauma with a new stepmom and that was yeah, yeah. uh hell on earth and i needed to distance myself from everything that was these violent yeah. people and uh and that's when i got into like you know druidry and eventually uh hermeticism and ceremonial magic
2: so were you on news groups and like usenet and like bullet board board systems and stuff
1: um yeah well it was mostly email lists uh in like 95 96 you know when i had my first pentium computer um yeah those are the old days bulletin boards and things but i was lucky i found uh, a temple in vancouver yet yeah, 15 right so i got to join a golden lawn temple and have seven wonderful years of experience there with the uh, well-trained adepts it was founded by a uh, Nineveh Shadrach, the famous. At, so so at
2: 15 you were you knew the you knew the secrets of magic, you knew to not lust lust after results, and you knew all the hermetic see, like you you had the head start. Oh, it's sure. crazy.
1: Yeah, no, I, I got <laughs> extremely well trained, but I'd already burned through all the books at Banyan at, by 15, pretty much, like most of the ones that I was interested in, and it didn't seem co- cohesive and coherent. So so the formal training was. I was. I bit the bullet because I knew that there it was hit or miss with groups. I'd already experienced, you know, Amorc the Rosicrucian Amorc group, and yeah. and, Mah, and Maharishi's TM and stuff. And I would really seen how how the groups of humans in any capacity can go wildly wrong. Did you Did you
2: practice Kabbalah when you were younger?
1: I started like, yeah, so I had some lessons from a Hasidic rabbi when I lived in Vienna uh, for an exchange student program when I was 16. And that was very cool because I had some preliminaries in Hermetic Kabbalah and Golden Dawn Kabbalah. Yeah. But then I got the the Hasidic perspective. He sort of shifted my slant early on, which is why I didn't go deep into the sort of new age Kabbalah, Madonna stuff and, and yeah. the Hermetic stuff even. Like I definitely love and understand and use Hermetic stuff for all, uh, yeah. a lot of my working. But, that made me very sensitive to how different Hebrew Kabbalah was. And then I started reading like Warren Kenton, Zev and Shimon Halevi, who was the spiritual director for Sinead O'Connor, when she was having her breakdown, in fact.
2: Oh, okay, Um, wow.
1: Then he's a he's an excellent Kabbalistic writer who's from the Jewish perspective, but with a a modern sensibility. And there's a lot of uh, other great, uh, yeah. I mean, uh, Jewish. So like, were you familiar with
2: like Donald Michael Tyson and like, you know, terms like Zim Zoom and stuff like that when you were a teenager? Yes. Wow. That's so crazy. Yeah. So what would your twenties be like if you already had such a multi-perceptive idea of of life, like in
1: your teens? I think I'm meant to be interviewing you, bro, but (laughs) if you want, like my twenties were uh, running a golden dawn temple by night and going to doing my master's of divinity at Vancouver school of theology at UBC by day and uh, training in the Anglican church for the priesthood. And then I went off to do my PhD at exeter's uh center but never finished it due to joining a celtic band and having crazy experiences similar to yours i got to like open for the mothers of invention in alb in 2008 and so some other you know i got to spend some time smoking weed Trad kroger and he showed me his penis <laughs> like that's hilarious weird shit like that how do you, i'm curious about one of your stories because you you sort of somehow navigated the la world it seems uh yeah i was of course a lot of my initiations were in la so from 16 on i was going i went from 16 from like 96 2003 i went to la probably 40 times uh, half of which drive hollywood babylon there. Yeah, because that's where uh, one of the temples was, and uh, it was a, it's an interesting place. But what was that like uh, going uh, from Vancouver to LA? Is that what you did to to navigate and explore?
2: Yeah, the art world I mean, and the art scene. It was interesting. Like uh, it, it was correlated when I started to do magic. I started hanging out at the Chateau Marmont a lot, and like was really into the energies around LA, and and kind of realized it is uh, some type of portal. It is there's some weird energy out there. The hell and, out? Yeah, it is definitely a really weird place. And I think correlated to my magic, I constantly was always sent there. But I can't say I've ever had anything but a surreal experience when I go to L.A. So I've, I've been able to navigate it. I think I had more difficulties navigating the politics, the ego and the Machiavellianism around Hollywood and um, the uh, gatekeepers and, and things like that that were... That was more of my psychological
1: trials. How did the, um, I lit a candle for you, a beeswax candle, which is (laughs) traditional because you have a whole chapter on aesthetics and magic, which (laughs) I I, I also thought was fun. And uh, and used candle magic to get um, a, is it a TikTok movie?
2: Oh yeah, it was yeah. a Snapchat movie. Marilyn Snapchat Manson. Snapchat movie. A Snapchat movie. Yeah. With
1: Marilyn so, Manson. Sorry so, everyone, this was before
2: he was canceled.
1: <laughs> who Marilyn Manson? Yeah, yeah. Oh, we don't care about cancel canceling yeah. on this podcast. Are you kidding me? No, no, I know, but like yeah. he 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 He's was he canceled, like
2: a yeah. very bad sexual
1: predator person recently. Marilyn Manson? Oh yeah, you don't know about this? <laughs> Joking. <laughs> Marilyn Manson. Oh yeah, no, no, it is obvious.
2: I get it, I get it, it's obvious, yeah.
1: Have you ever heard his music?
2: Yeah, no, of course, of course. I don't
1: I don't mean that entirely, but yeah, you know.
2: And his chart is pretty crazy too. He has yeah. Mars, Scorpio, he's Capricorn, um, Leo Moon. He's pretty much exactly his chart.
1: So what was the attraction to um, celebrities no, because you you seem to have a pretty strong awareness of you know that they're not all saints or angels like yeah it's called manson a sexual of well-known sexual predator or something like that (laughs) yeah so so you're aware of this but you still went and interacted with these people and and
2: yeah i think it was more so like the illusion the allure you know being in malhut being in the density of this reality um being brainwashed by mtv as a child you know it was i kind of believed that they were like they were like these entities these larger than life uh i mean in in the in the west we have a lot of solipsism right and we don't really have a connection to spirituality or archangels and things like that so what we end up doing is we substitute our um worship for like simulacras of like pop stars and, and and celebrities and people like that. And especially when you're a teenager, which is like, you know, kind of my, this book kind of follows my adolescence. Like, I think um, uh, it was just like a natural idea. And I also think it was like driven by a lot of like approval, a need for approval, a need to prove myself. I thought, okay, if I'm going to accomplish myself in the world. I have to be associated with all these people because they're accomplished. And it was like a kind of thing like that, that like, I'm going to, I was trying to like earn my self-worth through external means. And then, um, but also it ended up being not backfiring but it ended up being a part of my magical path and realizing that magic is not about just getting things or receiving things. There's, it's very, very deep and complex.
1: I think uh, something uh, some of your uh, reviewers might not have noticed on Amazon is that that it's it's also actually you have a a journey told through the throughout the book. Um, It's (laughs) not actually very clear because there's a lot of recipe chapters and things like that. Correspondences for candles and and uh, also saying fuck fuck correspondences, which is, you know, yeah I, I love i love the bit of chaos magic in you there are a lot of chaos magic yeah splendid demonstration of 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 mixing new thought and chaos magic and some other older uh yeah. man tricks and uh practices um but there's a journey uh at first it's not it's 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 uh less see all these cool people i met and more who was I that I had to go through this? How did I go through this? How did I make it s- somehow to my benefit and still survive and take yeah. responsibility for even the chaos and damages I caused on the way. Oh weekend. yeah, for
2: sure. Can, for I, sure.
1: can I, re- I read one of my favorite parts? Yeah, of um, course I love that. I'm an academic, so I always read like the intro and outro and then end pages and front pages before I read the main contents. But, yeah. and so that, that stuff tends to stand out. Um, we're not going to talk about like, Correspondences in which no, 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 that, that, so that's for we can leave that to the, the plebs, the other, the <laughs> other
2: podcasters. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um,
1: during the conception of this book, I realized that the trials of the last few years have brought me to some dangerous places while carrying a lo- around a lot of misplaced love. That's some incredibly deep learning that's some some insight and then you say i want to acknowledge all of the dark people that i met on my journeys and travels on both material and astral plane for all of the lessons that i needed to learn when i didn't know who i completely was i'm so grateful to leave your worlds and lives behind you (laughs) acknowledge and take responsibility and then let go um which is not sort of the uh Certainly not the uh, perception of uh, what um, Marilyn Manson would call a uh, star fucker.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, exactly, exactly. It's a it's a bit of a. The book is 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 kind of like one eight hundred pop magic, you know. Like it's a bit of like it's a bit. It's supposed to. It was also deliberately provocative towards the occult community because we yeah, as thanks. a as a community um, are very anti mainstream anti-pop and um you know uh constantly uh, as a young person navigating the occult community i thought that there was a lot of cliques and like pretentiousness and uh, egos and uh, people who thought they were like the reincarnation of crowley and you know like it was it was really intense so i kind of like um wanted to write like a book as like something that would kind of subvert Th- all of those uh, values while also being a real occult book. And I think, um, uh, I think, yeah, I'm happy that you were able to notice that I learned uh, accountability of, of will because you don't really know that when you're first playing around with magic and you're just throwing around lightning bolts.
1: Yes. <laughs> I can't believe you said throwing around lightning bolts. Um, well, what
2: <laughs>
1: that's, that's too funny um <laughs> there's no spells in here for throwing around lightning bolts but we should definitely say something about uh rose mcgowan who loaned her name as well to yeah. this book and wrote a beautiful little uh preface and, and she's been through a lot and i think uh, is owed a lot of gratitude for her bravery so well, oh wonderful. yeah that was so
2: cool she 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 sent it to me on on the Virgo full moon as well it was really powerful but you know uh, definitely uh, I've I definitely you know was operating pr- before you know the pandemic obviously we've all changed a lot in in quarantine and and our and just our soul process has accelerated and we've grown a lot but I've definitely used to operate more off of like a demanding neediness to, to get the things that I wanted but I also look in retrospect that that was a part of the magic I was doing as well
1: what were uh, some of your early influence books that got you into magic
2: um well I read like Raymond Buckland um I read like Scott Cunningham more like Wicca witchcraft stuff um but I started to get more frustrated as I would read occult books and just everything was being regurgated all of, or all the time, like over and over, like the same thing over and over. And I'd read new occult books and I wouldn't understand anything. And then I did study like hermeticism a little bit and like, you know, the four sphinx and like, just like, like off, you know, because I am a part of, I'm a millennial. I'm a part of the Reddit era of magic and YouTube magic and, you know, this type of stuff. So I was my magical, um, way of learning was more in fragments and and also by I- praxis and experience and um I tried to like get into like Jason Louvre and magic.me and all that type of stuff but I just like I didn't like it and it wasn't really for me and um uh I don't know I felt like uh I, I would I, I just would always read random magic books from the library.
1: Yeah yeah no that's how I started Lynn Valley Library back in the day um you know looking at Alistair Crowley and uh all the other witch authors um it must I must have been I, so
2: much more like kind of like insular you know what i mean because oh yeah you had you had no you didn't know anyone
1: and had no access to anyone or anything like you couldn't find anything
2: like i can't <laughs> right. imagine how your younger self like i would have felt so isolated in the sense that okay I'm discovering the secrets of the universe, this stuff is working, I'm watching it all unfold and yet I have no one to talk about it with and I'm just this secret ma- magician. It's like, it's pretty intense.
1: Yeah, well, I mean, me and my two buddies, I mean, we, we trucked along with a little, our little three bros, Wiccan coven, uh, experimenting and learning. Like That's the thing, we, it, what we were experiencing was so crazy I was like, yeah, no, I need to understand this fully. And luckily I found uh, the Temple to Hootie in Vancouver and, and got to uh, enjoy that till its end. Um, and even, you know, I was the one that closed it down. It's down for good reason.
0: Wow. And I uh, got is... to
1: move on. So that was an amazing journey. I'm very, very lucky. And um, it's why I still sort of promote people to have what I call my, you know, a Harry Potter kind of experience. It's It's not perfect, but it is it's the best we got. I mean, OTO is a a lifelong fraternity. Ithalima is a religion. They're not magical colleges, um, but they're fine for the people who want to do them, but it's not like a design to be a thing that you graduate from, like the Golden Dawn is. It's in the final initiation that says you've now graduated from this order.
2: Well, do you feel like there were formative early magical experiences that Just kind of blew your mind where you were like i'm playing with i'm not playing but i'm accessing something much bigger than me
1: oh yeah many i mean there was a a massive theophany and awakening experience during the uh, mountain fires in penticton in 94 when i was there and so and that was a was an intense revelation of self and purpose and then then, as I psychically woke up and uh, got, got some guidance from psychics, my mom took me to her. That all her friends went to see. I got some very real insights from because I would ask like practical occult questions of the psychic, and she knew what I was talking about. She knew this stuff. She it's not what she told to my, my mom's bougie friends. You know, they yeah. wanted to know if if their husband should get a fourth car and shit like that. Yeah. I wanted to know like is telekinesis a little bit possible? And if so, to what extent and how can I develop it?
2: You yeah. Know? Wow.
1: And, uh, or, uh, you know, how can I get a spirit guide? Are there any spirit guides around me? And if so, what are their names and how can I work with them? And she introduced me to a couple that I still work with to this day. She wow. also like, told me a massive amount of things that I was sure would never come true. Years later, I, 10 years later, 15 years later, I found the cassette tapes of all the sessions, listening to them. There was only one thing on three cassette tapes, three hours <gasps> over a year that hadn't come true and still hasn't. But everything See, there's, else, there's only, much, there's only almost, order. There's no through. chaos. And I totally forgotten all about it. Cause I was like 13, 14, when those things, 15, when those things are happening. Yeah.
2: Well, that's the secret of magic also, right? You have to forget for it to manifest.
1: Yeah, to keep silence is often uh, interpreted as as not telling people about what you've done, and there's definitely just something about not talking about a ritual until quite some time after it's. Oh, of terminated. course you have to. You yeah, have to very you have important. To do that. But have but I like that. that Franz Hartman points out that that the more important side to the keeping silent and the being silent is actually just so that you can listen for God because if you're not silent you can't hear shit
2: and that's very cabalistic like in the idea of having certainty in spirit rather than being attached and obsessed with what you want to manifest like your whole magical journey should be about trusting and having that secure and certainty in the upper worlds in that things are going to be drawn down for you in the best way possible and that everything is divine
1: yeah yeah i think so um we talk about you. You 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 mentioned that there's no coincidences. Do yeah, for true? sure.
2: You actually think that's true? Oh, of course. Yeah, I think. I'm not sure about that one. I think everything is. I think everything in mat like in life is magic. Like when when a coincidence happens, it's just magic. You know, like when when something good is happening that you is a synchron. There's synchronicity, and I think synchronicities are the byproduct of, of the perceptiveness that we um, created through our ritual or through our magic as we hyper focus on something to come into fruition. So like you might do a ritual to meet someone and then coincidentally you meet the person that you visualize at the coffee shop like two days later. I don't think that's a coincidence. I think that's magic working and results. Yeah,
1: um, it it's certainly, it's certainly the case. Um, I love that you said magic is not an act of the supernatural. Yeah. That's great. A lot of people are bringing back the old supernaturalism (laughs) models of, 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 of miracles rather than just natural wonders and uh, yeah. uh, You know, extra natural creatures. It's our
2: birthright to access these
1: things. I think it's wrong to believe there's things outside of nature. I think it's important more accurate to conceive of everything is within oh wow like as nature. above so below yeah everything's contained within nature and what is nature well somehow like so i see nature and spirit as the only two pre-categories. like yeah. whatever we think on top of them those two things are there and what is spirit it's sort of the process of nature naturing itself and being existing and that's, that's beautiful that. yeah
2: that's so interesting to think about. I've never thought of that concept, the idea of instead of isolating the supernatural and the paranormal, why don't you just incorporate it as natural? I think that's something that a very seasoned magician would say, because I think when you are, you know, I think a part that annoys me sometimes about my magical practice is that sometimes I I still have that youthful like wonderment in everything that like I, instead of having that like kind of stoic, like no, like these are the laws. This is why this is happening. Like have that level of certainty and security in that. Sometimes I'm like, oh my God, like in so much shock and awe all the time. Whereas I just kind of want to like ground myself and just like, no, like this is it. You're doing magic. This is the path. This is what you chose, you know?
1: Yeah. It's uh, And if you do it right and keep studying, then like the the sort of unfoldment and awe can continue. Um, as you if, you, if you sort of do it right. I think there's people that do it wrong and end up totally uh, abjected and, and, and disgruntled and, and don't keep that sort of wondrous process going. Um, and I think that can be done by sort of having like a flawed methodology or approach to it, right? There's many ways to do it, but it's almost like if you sort of throw things in the wrong order or mix things together that don't really go, the larger pictures that the pieces properly put in order can reveal is no longer possible like yeah you can just just smash puzzle pieces together whichever way you want it might not make a pretty picture but hey just glue them onto a canvas however you want squirt some paint on it it might still look cool and it might be cool and that's fine
2: yeah no no no. no, it's just modern art But, but do you also feel like have you learned on your own path that um certain desires that you think you have when you go into a ritual and then you you maybe do the ritual and then you get that thing and then you realize, well, I didn't actually want that. This didn't really serve me or that I was coming from maybe a, a vibration of something that was more of scarcity and lack and not abundance and inner um, security. Because I feel like what I've, a secret that I've learned on my, my magical journey recently is, is that when you put appreciation and gratitude into your ritual or you connect to the essence of that thing that you want, um, the real essence, it, it'll come more in a more uh, enriching vibrational way, rather than that moment where I think when I was younger and doing rituals, it was more of like a, a short circuit. Like, okay, I just want this one thing or that feeling, and then I would get it, and then it would just be an instant gratification thing. But if I had imagined endlessness and and connecting to the true endlessness of everything. I probably would have received more. Well, I mean, we all do that, like on our journey, we we learn that.
1: Yeah. So you can certainly use your own personal energy and, and, uh, focus and will and imagination channeling and all of these things to impact and cause like glitches in the fabric of nature to manipulate reality. You can do this with your personal energy and preferably with the help of other spirits that really leverage what you can do. Um, and there's something that's talked about a lot, but then there's the other kind of magic, and this is something you actually talk about in your book under two uh, handy titles of SOMM and AOM, yeah. uh, which I thought was actually, I, I questioned it first because this is what I do, and then after a couple of pages I was like, "Are those are those redundant terms that we've said elsewhere better and i was like no actually no he sort of nails it so you sort of nailed those technical terms there they're they're actually quite handy dandy um especially not just in the context but in general so because we're talking about magic where you're just sort of Willing things to happen, and that can be very effective and necessary, especially in critical junctures. And yeah, um, yeah, you know, um, when you're in real life situations, but then there's what you call abstract outcome magic is the intention to materialize an abstract outcome in the material world. That's a bit more general than what we're talking about specifically here, but it's the same sort of idea like having an altar to Jupiter and, and praying to it three times a day, bring <laughs> abundance yeah, yeah. into your life is probably a healthier thing to do than trying to like glitch a lottery. Or, or well, well but,
2: but see this is and that's more of that's something that you would probably learn as a more seasoned magician because what you when i guess now that you reading that back to me i've just realized that what i was kind of trying to say is is that when you don't use your own will to block what the universe wants to bring you because because your specific outcome might be less than what a general outcome could bring if you're just asking for abundance or money or love or anything like that you know it's almost like the the why let our own small will and our small desire block out what can enter our soul's vessel through an abstract outcome that we don't know about
1: absolutely when you said uh well i love that you're uh, you're like uh, once you started doing it every day and like magic in general, I couldn't stop once I realized that the more I practiced uh specific outcome, magic, just doing things for what you wanted um, rituals, the more the things I wanted actually happened. And that's the, there's the rub, right? Uh, no people, people are constantly going to be asking why we uh, do this and all that nonsense. And the fact is, or or why, if we think it's really real, yeah people keep doing it because it, it works work. and, you know you say a lot of times like we have no idea how it works i think we do have some pretty good ideas how it works yeah. especially as we've now clarified um scholars have clarified the the commonalities and the sort of features of the grimoire traditions and the magical you know
2: i would love uh, to read that stuff yeah yeah, so we'll, yeah spread
1: across all of the works of doctors like uh, Peterson not Jordan Joseph Joseph (laughs) Peterson not Jordan Peterson Um, and uh, Skinner and many other fabulous scholars I think I read a
2: a book about this this year Real Magic by Dean Radin.
1: I think he yeah I haven't read his book he's definitely that seems like a very pop book but I know some people that like it and some people that hate it um, but yeah. I think he definitely references a lot of the scholarship. There's yeah, this, yeah, like, yeah, I PhD think it definitely tries to, tries to totally, show
2: that, what you're trying to say, your thesis. Yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah. So, so as we learn more about the consistent technology, Skinner's point is, Dr. Skinner's point is, if magic didn't have fixed techniques and technologies that clearly work and must be replicated to work, then in every generation of new magicians, we would have a completely new system of magic because whatever you can imagine works. But, but the reason there's a tradition of do this, do this, do this, do this, that's con- constant and consistent across time. We're like, okay, we might take these things for granted, but these are the primary techniques. These are the universal
2: principles. laws. These are, these are yeah, laws now.
1: You could, you could call it that. Yeah. Or, yeah. Yeah. I think the 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 you know technologies techniques is actually is is accurate very accurate i love what you said when you said so you kept doing it because it worked but you also then go on to be very honest and be like i have hurt myself a lot doing specific outcome magic i have i had fallen far past being seduced by the illusion of the material world i'm not reducing specific outcome magic to selfish or narcissistic behaviors but i will say it's easy to become greedy um Oh yeah. And I wanted to ask you when you said I when I read I've hurt myself a lot doing this magic, I wanted to say, and this is a very Golden Dawn sort of question, so forgive me for it, but didn't you do tarot readings in advance to see what the outcome would be and if it would fuck <laughs> some shit up? No, this, like, I actually golden, didn't. So this is Golden I, Dawn 101 and it, you know what's cool about that? It's like this, is like this is like one of those fucking things you would learn at Hogwarts, right? That otherwise you might just not think yeah, about it. Yeah, yeah. So there's two times I didn't do a tarot ring before a ritual and the outcomes were so brutal you wouldn't believe me if I told you
2: whoa yeah and I'm gonna i thought tell they were both all my witch friends well
1: one time it wasn't so bad I just couldn't sleep but it, it was sort of fucked up wow but yeah and so that's that's something I never thought would be proven the case you know what I mean the reason I talk about it is because I'm surprised by myself that how interesting that was yeah
2: I'm going to tell everyone about this after this episode, because that's actually, what the fuck? Why didn't I, you know, it makes so much sense. Like, why wouldn't you do divination before doing magic? Yeah. <laughs> makes a lot of sense.
1: There's a popular uh, one in, in, a, in a, one of the Golden Dawn journals. We'll use any, you know, these days I just use a sort of a three-card flop, right? Uh, significator, don't do it, do it. And then if I want to get microcosmic and macrocosmic elemental attributions around it, I'll do the circle spread. But the original Golden Dawn did the Celtic Cross a lot. And you can totally make up your own spreads. I mean, that's awesome. Do, do you like Damien Echols? Um, I haven't read really his books. I just only last year became aware of who he was and watched all the oh. documentaries and all that stuff. Um, even hilarious. though, Even though I was definitely when he was in trouble, I was one of those, you know, kids in trench coats that was getting stuff thrown at them because of the panic that was going on. Yeah. Uh, and I didn't really connect the two ever. And uh, yeah.
2: No. Yeah. It's kind of hilarious now in retrospect that the kids today fetishize the era of um, goth fashion and, and the they're so uh, obsessed with the aesthetics of the late nineties and they don't understand the, like, actual, like, uh, violent retributions that was uh, given for self-expression in that time?
1: Yeah, um, it could, it could get rough, I guess. You were, like, uh, goss were not popular or mainstream at all. Um, Like, I dyed my hair black and started wearing, like, vampire things, I think, in 93. Um, Oh, whoa. Yeah, so that was, that was... You were about that life. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah. Up until I sort of up until I uh, joined the Golden Dawn and just, you know, got to see how normal, like, serious occultists were. And I was like, oh, this is much more, rel- <laughs> much easier. This is, this is much better. I can just, <laughs> like, not worry about all the pretenses of how I uh, appear, present myself, or what my thing is, what my, st- like, you know, oh, my yeah. school clique and all that shit is. Just gone. All, like, you know, we're all, all anyone there cares about is, is uh, you know, studying grimoires and doing ritual work Yeah,
2: studying the occult yeah yeah
1: that's all they're interested in sharing their experiences and comparing and contrasting uh ritual work by people who are all doing it hours and hours every day
2: oh and and that's the thing and, and people don't understand this about the occult is, is that it used to be looked at as a huge privilege to be able to study the occult and it was like gatekept for aristocratic societies and and rich people and stuff certainly back in the day
1: I mean, it certainly cost a lot of money to be in the original Golden Dawn. And uh, I mean, uh, John D sold, traded a manuscript. He had just some, you know, one, some manuscript to a guy for a carriage and two horses. Yeah. <laughs> Can you imagine? I'm like, hey, I just, I just wrote a book. Um, do yeah. You want to get, you want to, co- you want to trade it, trade me for a copy? It's like, sure. What do you want? I'll take uh, your car.
2: <laughs>
1: yeah. like, that was how it was to get something a manuscript just as valuable as this one
2: yeah it's so it's so interesting and don't you feel like in that sense of of with your you know spaces like your podcast and your channel and guys like river and like you know just these kids who can just discover crowley and then what, like connect to this algorithm of all this knowledge and and don't you feel like there's a level of responsibility of of how you contain and handle the knowledge and what you do with it
1: yeah um well i I deal with that all the time like i teach a weekly class online through my hermetic mystery school and uh and uh have people i work with even you know on a a frequent basis and um and that's beginners and adepts and uh, and you're always you always want to be um take some sort of responsibility i guess for your part of the tradition I, i love uh you know the uh the great pat zaleski's uh frequent would frequent frequent rejoinder that he's just another brick in the wall and i think that that is that is that is the that is the facts of the matter we're all just bricks in this fabulous occult wall yeah um, or, or, of a culture and but we get to decide what that brick is made of how it looks and where it's placed so
2: were there any, uh, you know, because you've had more history? And, well, I mean, obviously, like you know, in the city and stuff. Like, were there any really cool occult stores that are now gone? Here,
1: yeah, yeah. Um, we still have Abraham's, uh, which is it is what it is. He's a he's a character, right? And that used yeah, he's to be a character. Down, yeah, that used to be further down a commercial drive, and now it's further up commercial driver it was just off commercial drive there was um so the way i found out about the golden dawn temple was by a bookstore on robson street right off granville called golden dawn books and Whoa. i went in and there was a big hand-drawn image of a golden dawn poster
2: Holy by fuck. a member
1: of temple to hooty um, who later became my mentor and hierophant and and you know friend um in the in on the wall and the owner a guy named uh, hilton uh, had no connection with the Golden Dawn. He just called his bookstore that because he liked the name and obviously knew a lot about the Golden Dawn, but he did his own thing. Yeah. I um, can't remember what tradition it was. It might have been ATR or something like that, but back in those days, very little was known about some of the rare traditions, so either it just went out in one area and out the other. But he had asked them not to uh, leave flyers in his store, but said they could put up a, uh, a picture, something that looks good in advertising. Yeah. And so this beautiful picture that they had one of their members draw Fred EST. And so I said, are they like, okay, are they? Cause I'd called the number a few times and heard the answer machine me- message. And it sounded like a used car salesman. Cause he was used car salesman, the guy in the States who started that order. And I was like, so I asked this Hilton, the bookseller, I'm like, are these people cool? Are they chill? Like, So I'm like a 14 year old asking if they're chill and he's like, <laughs> yeah they're they're good people you they're, they're they know their stuff and they're serious I think you wouldn't have, that wouldn't be bad off with them at all because he had met Nineveh Shadra who was the adept who started the temple and ran it and trained the other adepts and he had met a bunch of the main people and thought they were they were good enough people which is you know your intuition sometimes just as good as long-term assessment and so I gave it the number a call and I actually left my name and that's how that happened so his bookstore didn't last too too long there oh I think you're frozen.
0: Yeah. Frozen.
1: You know what? I think I actually just found in my old grade material a, a print of that very picture I was talking about. Here's my old grade material. And I think I found, uh, yeah, a print of it. So. other than that there wasn't really any old occult bookstores uh that I can really think of there a few popped up here and there but they were usually very very short-lived unfortunately so that's a shame
2: so interesting to think though like uh, if you wanted like ritual looking candles would you just go to Banyan or yeah
1: yeah actually the guy who owns that place his son was in my in Waldorf with me so we were really close uh friends played D&D together and all of that stuff, and uh, Banyan was a place that my mom would like let me get things. You know, she if I want some books, that was like I couldn't really have new clothes or new shoes, but if I wanted some books, that was okay. So she was very supportive. That was that was the poster I saw in the bookstore. I've never wow. gone before. This is just a photocopy a, a print of it that was uh, like on paper. I should I want to get that canvas transferred. That's crazy. Before it's too late, it, was, it was right was in, in front walking. of your eyes um what a journey yeah damn it's too bad that tour oh well, it's well
2: what is, what is your astrological sign
1: aquarius
2: aquarius what's your moon sign
1: sagittarius
2: and and you're rising scorpio oh scorpio rising wow. i'm Sag moon as well
1: yeah what's your sign cancer cancer
2: with cap rising mars and taurus and venus and leo cool I definitely think go. astrology helps your magic. Like when you connect to the, the power of the moon phase, it influences the work you're doing.
1: Yeah. I noticed your whole book's actually based around, uh, working with the lunar phases. There's, yeah. Waxing uh,
2: moon, waning moon, dark of the moon, shadow. Yeah, earth, that. That's
1: very, uh, that's very much gotten more popular now with the, uh, like grimoire mansions of the moon being published and a lot of the arabic magic that's lunar based for the gins coming out as well as the new elucidarium of necromancy that's has like planetary days placed at the night yeah, so yeah like i'm gonna do this things. during
2: jupiter hour but,
1: but doing things like i was up the reason i was up at 4, 4 a.m was to be ready for the mercury hour at sunrise so i could carve more on my hazel wand just for those 44 minutes of the mercury hour so oh it's so weird these, i started waking up at 4 a.m yeah. It's a, it's not a bad time to get up when you, when you can do it yeah, yeah, no, wow, that's so interesting, for weeks now, just, uh, you know, sometimes if I have do night things though, like, you know, if, if you, back when there, we were still allowed to play gigs, you know, it's hard to be up at planetary hour in the sun in the morning. If you were like at a gig till two or 3 AM.
2: Oh yeah. Yeah, for sure. I think, do you feel like you developed psychic abilities as you practice magic as well?
1: um yeah yeah no like like my uh my ability to feel and see energy was like well underway by the time i joined the golden dawn and i'd been doing classes and training and practicing and practicing with my coven friends and doing fabulous experiments and having remarkable results
2: did you do i ching
1: no no i just practiced exercises that i learned and that spirit guides told me would help and and then tested them to verify that they did like we, we were obsessed with doing verifying experiments to prove cool like like if we astral travel to the other room we would test how much our consciousness had transferred by having a tarot card placed in that room that we didn't know what it was so we'd have to actually get it right
2: crazy so you would literally leave you would go to the other room like your astral body
1: yeah because especially with like mental projection you're seeing it feels like it can feel like you're there but your perceptions won't be accurate because you're sort of actually projecting them. And then, you know, the next step is actually getting more of your astral body there. And the final step is sort of transferring etherically your consciousness so that you can really be there, but that's apparently hard to sustain. And I never got quite that far, though I had uh, wild successes with extremely radically physical astral travel intentionally done to like higher planes and being in realms that I didn't think you could experience uh and thought was just out of this world how real they were in my astral travels until i did dmt and was like oh this is even stronger but the same sort of places and uh yeah that was a big breakthrough moment that, that's that's really intense have some common ground
2: yeah no for sure and like the idea of you know it seems like you have a lot of um inner i mean i don't know if you always felt that way but it seems like you have a lot of inner security and um no need for external validation of your magical practice or what you've experienced it's like you have an inner sense of knowing
1: you know what like i didn't always that that literally came that was if there's one thing i got out of going through the golden dawn up to the adeptus grade and having that five six initiation that was what i got that i gained something in that many things in that that have just never gone away and it's as close as I think is possible in my the- philosophy to an ontological change, because I'm not a big fan of the idea of ontological changes. I think, sort of, you know, a human soul's a human soul, a human life's a human life. One can't be altered to be better or different than another in any substantial way. In substantia, yeah. right, is what I'm saying. These are technical terms in this sense, um, but there are a lot of things that damn well feel like it.
2: Do do you feel like, um, do you believe in like the Kabbalistic belief that like all of the events of our lives are already written and we're just fulfilling them and moving forward in in our own path?
1: That I think would be um, a more modern uh, sort of uh, fringe Kabbalistic belief. That's not part of like the older Jewish Kabbalah. um, Because there's problems with that kind of determinism. I don't think it really holds up but so uh, no I don't believe that our lives are already written and determined in in any way really interesting I think we might have experienced them already but that's a different thing and open and uh, you know ask a whole other question that we just can't answer
2: yeah no it definitely it definitely no I definitely that's definitely very interesting and 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 very cool. I definitely think the Sephirah and uh, the Tree of Life is definitely a map to to the soul. And I, and I do believe in like modern capitalistic techniques, like well terms like tikkun and our soul correction and rectification and things like that. And like, yeah, I
1: like tikkun. Tikkun olam is a is a more. Uh, I, I like it. I, I think it's more interesting, but also got more truthiness than uh, reincarnation. And uh, that I uh, sort of the idea that you're you're born into a caste and that's your lot in life, and you know if you do if you behave, you'll maybe get a better lot next time, and if you misbehave, you won't.
2: Oh um, yeah, no, I the, don't, I don't... the
1: idea of tikkun, which is the idea that we're fixing ourselves constantly, and this is parallel very much the idea uh, Christian uh, use of sin in that we're just all sinners. Like you can't escape sin. You can. Have momentary experiences of grace through forgiveness, confession, Eucharist, and other other th- practices. Yes, but you're always going back into sin.
2: Absolutely, all
1: they must coagula
2: Yeah, and yeah, yeah. Like otherwise, Alchemy.
1: otherwise, the oroboros can't swallow its tail, and yeah, no, of course.
2: Again. And I think you're exactly right in the sense that, um, from from a, that that kabbalistic point of view, is is that like you know, real spiritual work is about going within cleaning things out and and the more you change yourself the more the world around you will change
1: yeah you know so that that it's interesting um that's one of those ideas that really uh we find came in with the golden dawn using alchemical symbolism and language to describe and talk about magically affected personal transformation um that's not something we find in the grimoire traditions really at all um and and a lot of things like even the elemental magical elemental tools in the four quarters that stuff from the golden dawn that's really just been uh you know fed into all the a lot of the other occult traditions and practices that we have today so it's it's one of the more interesting uh features of that originated there and uh
2: became Are you popular. a big fan of the word praxis?
1: Um <laughs> it's a great word when it's used properly yeah
2: yeah I definitely think real magic is about, you know, I don't, I don't like the idea of people treating magic like academia or intellectualism or like philosophy. It's a, it's really about something that you do and you, you have to do it.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and, and some things do change Pardon me, uh, based on, on experience. And that is, that is crucial in, in even the grimoire tradition where you, you, you might start following everything to the letter, But if the angels that you're working with eventually uh, like Adley, who I was just talking with on the podcast, the last episode, um, he was six years, I think, deep into really mastering Enochian magic as much as, as sort of you can, like really, really getting into it, doing everything sort of right. And the angels eventually told him that if you want to keep doing this sort of conjuration and working with them, that he needs to stop doing Enochian magic and do this other thing. So he gave (laughs) away his table and his tools and everything and, uh poured himself into a whole new system which took takes years to get to a grimoire
2: and he um, was working with like yeah all the enochian angels and, and yeah no enochian magic is, is very powerful and real and um amazing I think I think what's nice about building a relationship to the upper world and, and, and the spirit world is is that they're a secure attachment you know a lot of the the attachment that we have in our material world can be disorganized or chaotic or anxious or come from trauma and all that type of stuff. But, you know, it's kind of like in recovery, why do addicts like, um, get better when they start to, to have a spiritual relationship with the upper world or they substitute addiction with spirituality. It's because of that secure attachment with the idea of something that is always there and they can connect to that is beyond the self.
1: Yeah, no, absolutely. Uh, the idea of the higher self, the true self, the holy guardian angel. You use true will in your book, which, of course, is uh, sort of the Thelemic take on the GD uh, uh,
2: Yeah, HGA. Higher, higher
1: genius. Really, the HGA is also sort of a, a Thelemic focus. Um, it's not yeah. talked about in the, in, the, in the GD so much, um, if at all, actually um, our focus is more, uh, you know, higher genius, uh, and that sort of thing. Um, the Neshama, Neshama.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Neshama. Do you, do you, do do you feel, um, that like, you know, with your, your, your teachings and and everything, and and do, do you feel like, um, you're in alignment with, with your path and, and like, do you feel like, like everything that you're doing with your podcast and everything is a part of, of where you are like that is that is your soul's purpose
1: yes yeah I'm I'm I very much in many ways feel like I'm just doing what I'm told which is sort of that spiritual freedom that people talk about I feel um, the same way and it is a beautiful freedom but you're still at the wheel you know Um, and so for me like I sort of check in when I need direction but if I'm already doing what I was told to sort of pursue last time and it's never an order to pursue this like you should pursue this well if i don't have you don't
2: ever gotten know. in trouble from deviating off of your path oh,
1: like so hardcore you don't want to know <laughs> yeah Every, uh, people like like me i mean <laughs> we talk all the time about being you know humorously bitch slapped by our holy guardian angel or or whatever uh some spirit guide whatever you like um and it happens. Um, I mean. I have a gnome that I've been working with since I was in the Zelator grade in the GD. And he guards my, my temple in Malkut that I go to astrally. And he chews me out like nobody's business all the time. I tried to turn my temple in Malkut, like the actual phys- the space that I go to yeah. in, in the astral, into a castle. And I, I kept going to it as a castle. And, and I came back one day and I went to it. And it was in pieces. It was crumbled <sighs> to the ground, and he was standing there, and he was like, "We got to rebuild this." And he wow, like not, he, he, your like temple, down. got and, yeah, broken. And this, is, and this is this is a, a gnome, probably a gnome that's a reflection of a. I don't know. If, I don't. I don't. No, I think this guy is a, a legit external spirit, actually, because he he appeared to me once in Vienna at this castle, um, and point and pointed to the the the. Uh, You know, the souvenir desk, and there was a little pewter gnome, and he's like, That's me. And so,
2: holy beings
1: that I meet in my path workings or internal realms in this, in sort of the microcosm, don't get my attention usually in in the wake a day world. The ones that do are ones that distinctly have an, you know, uh, an objective reality.
2: Wow. Yeah. See, I I totally. And those are the ones that can be
1: harsher with me sometimes.
2: I relate to everything you just said, especially the idea of. Um, just moving with the flow of your, of your will and, and just like kind of surrendering. And I've gotten in a lot of trouble when I've gone off of alignment and when I've um, done things deliberately against my guide's wishes and um, just created a lot of chaos, but a lot of lessons in the sense. But um, I'm, I'm curious of like what, you know, because there were some controversial topics I touched on in the book, like, you know, sex and pornography and semen retention and, and things like that. What, what did you think of of all of that
1: you you know um, it, it very familiar stuff uh, to me um, yeah I think I think you you hit on a lot of um, key sexual practices that uh, many magicians would consider sort of uh, yeah par for the course and and key ones especially for a novice to use so I thought that was really well done and i liked how to the point you were with a lot of them you didn't belabor it and show like explicit diagrams and sort of sex it up like uh like don craig does in modern magic sort of makes it yeah. I, I was like 14 when i'm reading that and i'm like
2: oh my god yeah Don Craig, 10, r.i.p the king um, yeah
1: yeah man he used to do a lot of teaching in our or in our order um, in vancouver no i went in the la temple
2: oh wow he was oh wow He's, he's, he's amazing. Um, there is something that he, I always go back to modern magic. Sometimes just because I just, you know, sometimes I just reread it like, or I just remember things that I've read in it, but um, there was something he said, like it was like a cabalistic secret that he put in there that I didn't really realize until I got older when he was talking about magic. I don't know if it was about um, it, it already being acting as if it already exists. I don't remember, but it was, It was something that was really helpful.
1: And now, a word from our sponsors.
0: At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day.
1: that's, he's great that's the idea you know um as, as if acting as if and acting like it's already done and the the training uh, uh that i got just was um to focus on magical practices uh as you know the work in themselves so as a way of avoiding det- uh you know creating some sort of detachment that's so creepy outcome. i was just
2: gonna ask you about detachment just yeah now. so like you tapped into my thoughts
1: so the way we went about it wasn't through just trying to force ourselves to detach, which as you know, can be tricky, but to emphasize sort of the sacrality of the work and make the purpose of the work, the work wow. itself. And when you do that, it becomes a holy act and anything else is, is a, is, is wow. a bonus because the whole thing is holy, holy, holy.
2: Oh, wow. So like overriding what your ritual and what you did by just, making your commitment to your spiritual work
1: yeah exactly
2: that's so cool
1: yeah i mean that's it makes a lot of it.
2: sense because it's immersion right it's that yeah. zero mind state
1: exactly and uh and and uh, the detached the, the resultant detachment is helpful um the, it also creates a healthy dynamic between you and the spirits right where you're even though you may sometimes have to deal quite strongly with them or even threateningly or even threaten, or even hurt rarely. And I've never had to do it because you know, follow the rules things tend to go pretty smoothly. You know, you cut, if you cut a bunch of like prayers for protection to Jesus out and then things go badly, it's like, well, did you substitute those prayers with something equivalent? And you probably
2: came from a lot of fear too and do, do, do you this is kind of a controversial question but do you feel do you believe that you know as you've gotten older and as people get older as as they practice like do you think it's like a skill like you get better at magic as you keep practicing
1: oh definitely yeah this is why you have like the purists and traditionalists on on force right now uh Urging people to get solid baselines, doing everything properly and doing everything the right way to really see how far it can go. Because if you don't do that, you don't actually see how far it can go. Interesting, and, yeah, and because there's gonna, no
2: foundation. And then you start,
1: and then you start paring away till basically you might all you might have left is your own fantasies and imagination and the belief that the only effect you can have on the world is by changing yourself. And then the world changes in harmony, and you don't realize that no spirits can can do a lot more than that and you're not giving them the benefit of the doubt they, they're especially good at doing things that humans can't do and when you really think about that one
2: oh yeah like come on like, pe- like people people like people you know i think like a great part of my journey and what my book represents or you know me existing in this world is, as a visual metaphor for imagining all that type of stuff is is exactly that It is is like you know, I don't think Madonna got my book because of my will. I think that is because of angels and, and, and advanced magic. You know what I mean? Like, I think, I think um, that metaphor of, of things that are so huge, like people are always so jarred by that. But what I was trying to say by that manifesting is like, okay, maybe that was for me, something that was larger than life but what if you just want to live in a house and have an occult store or like you know have a simple life it's like you can access these things through the upper worlds through practicing magic you know it doesn't have to be always huge and glamorous and, and and all that type of stuff but i feel like i was just trying to get a point across and i feel like i got it across
1: yeah no i think i think you um I was I was so I was so not knowing what to expect um, when your you know publisher proposed this whole little shindig of ours and everything, and then it was a long time before it came out, and I was like, I didn't know what to expect, and and I'm very 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 glad that this all happened, brother, because um, not only is it like Vancouver represent like fuck yeah, you know we're like UC we're we're like we're not even Canadians anymore. Because if they can't get supplies to us, then we're basically our own country, um, <laughs> you know. So anyone else, countries who wants to join, can't the new republic? Oh, everyone of, hates Canada right now. The Republic right
2: of now. BC. Everyone hates Canada right now. <laughs> we're fucking hated. It's so funny, but yeah, no, no, for sure. Yeah, we're we're definitely <laughs> BC. I'm I'm Pacific Northwest. occult bro till I die. <laughs>
1: yeah, battle axe warriors
2: edge of circle in seattle for sure
1: Edge of yeah we need a, a really kick-ass occult bookstore here well i mean banyan's banyan's just not we need a good magic store is what we need because do you think it should magic. be on davy could mm, davy well that's where no no i think it would need to be on like commercial probably or
2: like mount pleasant
1: maybe, maybe.
2: like where uh, all the emily carr kids go
1: no you know it's hard it's hard to say it's very hard to say oh no with how popular it is today it might actually survive on on the the you know the main street of robson just from all the tourist people buying like bullshit pop (laughs) <laughs> not yeah, bullshit yeah. pop magic but bullshit like pop Wicca, no, 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 you know no, I meant, no, Of course, um, like, like candles and and sex charms and stuff like that they might keep it alive so that the serious cultists can have well like, it is annoying I, mean, I get it like, like, like it, it
2: is very annoying i get how like i understand the elicited response because i kind of programmed it into people f- because of the book and like i'm really happy that i said this is the age of pop magic because what i was trying to say by that is like this reductionistic kind of like you, you get a fucking meme of like at Jupiter hour wish for this, you know, things like this, like these really complex things that you used to like train for and like work with focus and concentration. And like, were really like secret and aristocratic are now like on your Instagram feed, you know? And it's like, I'm trying to say that, okay, well, we're in the, the TikTok era of magic. Well, what are we going to do with it?
1: see, that's what I, I like about this. So there, there needs, someone needs to speak to these, these uh, you know, fucking morons on TikTok. Gen Z. Hot take, hot take. Um, <laughs> no, I, I love, I'm sure they're all great. I'm sure they're all great people on both sides. Yeah. And, yeah. Um, but, but we do need leaders in that generation and people who are, you know, speaking to it from a.
2: Arrogant way.
1: <laughs> no. Well, you, what you show in this book is how you really show, like, a lot of the things you did and the ways you moved around, like, navigated celebrities and celebrity culture, because that is a thing, right? Like, when I was doing music, one of the only reasons a lot of professionals would play with me is because how they saw I was able to navigate those environments, and they said that to me. They're like, you "Well, know, the hardest navigate like Yeah, so I would. I was like when I was just starting, I was mediocre at best, right? But I needed professional backers and professional people to work with to be able to do those really big shows and do them well and to improve myself. You never want to be the best guy in the room at anything, really. Um, Maybe have a special thing, but like they said, like there's a lot of people. There's a like there's a lot of you know musicians out there, but not all of them are aware of how to sort of navigate the scene and the business and have that kind of sense. And, you know, they often noted my ability to get myself in in re- remarkably the right place at the right time. And a lot of that is following spirit guides and talking to the fairies around you and being like, yo, how do I talk to this person? How do I go to, you know, do this? Or how do I get this festival gig? And, you know, using magic throughout all of that and during performance is incredibly effective. And and you used it to, to navigate And uh, many, many things, including what you say is some of the most secret behind-the-scenes parties in Hollywood. All right, so. Oh, God. Let's talk about that. Any, 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 uh, tell me the truth. I only actually want to know one thing. Yeah. What's adrenochrome like?
2: (laughs) Oh, my God, adrenochrome. Um, Well, I mean, what I can say is, and I, it's just so obvious is that they all, they all know about this stuff. Like if you look up sanctum, it, it was basically like a sex magic call in Hollywood. And, um, it was like a thousand dollars, like an hour. Or so like, it's like, the money is like, I don't know the proper money, but like, these celebrities and these people in Hollywood and all these people, they know about magic. They time things with the moon phases. They go to covens. They, and they're all very transparent about it now. I think, I'm more interested in the fact of like maybe in like 1995 like CAA agents and like people were doing this like like really off the record like the idea of like UTA or like WME type like agents like doing this type of stuff is really funny to me um like the real like immense grease like the 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 power behind the throne people like doing the occult work but it's very transparent like all the celebrities are very honest about it now like they talk about it like
1: there's a long lineage and tradition of this i mean did you even you know when uh james the first i think it was was out of the country out of england for a while the guy his guy who was in charge while he was away was the main sort of heir practicing john dees and angel Enochian magic like he was sort of the main practitioner i believe in england at the time and he was running england for a while (laughs) Wow. Yeah. So There's a long tradition of this. This Oh yeah, no, for sure. And also Princess
2: Diana was uh, really into astrology and and she had like an astrologer and the royals did. And no, like, like, but the point is, is that this shouldn't, you know, it's actually, I I actually struggle with this because I, I do understand that the concept now that I'm older of, well, this is not for everyone, but then there's an aspect of me that wants to believe that people should at least have the option and the opportunity to choose a non-dogmatic, non-discriminatory spiritual system that actually connects you to spirituality. And I think magic is a great aspect of of what that gives to people.
1: Well, how about looking at it from this perspective? You could say that magic is our our birthright and a lot of what uh, Western Christianity, unfortunately, has done is stripped us of our birthright uh, systematically over hundreds yep. uh, over a thousand years absolutely um, it
2: is our birthright absolutely. we
1: used to you know everyone used to take for granted that if they went and worshipped sufficiently at this shrine or had this amulet made in this way or this talisman it would yeah. benefit them uh you know uh, especially if it was done right and, and worked well
0: and oh, for everyone sure. used to
1: benefit from this but this was taken away from people and we see that with the government today like you know they they're just very dismissive of it but you know they go on their witch hunts for sure um and uh Meanwhile, they're, they're, you know, using remote viewing to this day on their enemies and still, like, have various versions. I of, saw that on GL. Gaia. Yeah, well, <laughs> not the best source, though. I've been guilty of spending some time on Gaia. You know, sometimes it's just fun. Sometimes it's just fun to see the pretty, like, alien spaceships fighting each other around Mars. And then some dude's like, I was there, man. <laughs> I was fucking there. They, I, my memory was wiped, but now it's come back. <laughs> Did it come back before or after you then offer it? Or when check?
2: there's like just some like random girl from Minnesota being like, I just saw like a 15 feet caliandra in my room. <laughs> like it, it is, it's just it's like it's like mad TV, like SNL, like occultism.
1: Yeah, yeah. Occultism's a uh uh we're being gracious there, but but <laughs> it is it is what it is, man. And honestly, I I I'm I'd rather we have it than not have it. Oh yeah. Come Um, on.
2: Like there's some great stuff. Like Oliver Stone's son, he's a buddy of mine, Sean Stone. He's cool. He's fucking dope. Like he he's, he's a smart guy and he, he, he has a cool show on there. He did, but they like blocked him from YouTube, but, um.
1: Oliver Stone was the guy who was going to make the movie of this book, which is based on my grandpa.
2: Oh, wow. And,
1: uh, the author of this book, um, uh, left me the screenplay when he died to finish it. But Oscar, uh, Oliver Stone reviewed, you know, considered it and I think just rejected it because, you know.
2: Cool.
1: Blah, blah, blah. Maybe but I'll there, tell Sean a, about that. I'll give you I'll give you a copy when you come to our next Nokia Conjuration with me and some OTO and <laughs> oh Golden Don friends. What, what
2: is, it, is it also like a secret address too?
1: Um no. Oh no.
2: That's, um, it's like meetup.com vibe.
1: Where whereabouts are you in these days? You're not, you're not. You weren't in Abbotsford. I get. I take it. Otherwise, you'd be underwater. No, no.
2: I'm. I'm. I'm out here, but I do live in. I in Vancouver. Like I have a place in Vancouver. Yeah.
1: You're around. All right. disclosed location.
2: Disclosed location. i yeah. I don't. Oh. I don't want anyone to come kill me. I don't want Luca Magnota to come kill me or something. Who's that? <laughs> he was like that crazy Canadian killer person.
1: Oh. Well, we we have our share of those. Remember yeah. the dude who like cut off the woman's head on a Greyhound bus, and now there's no more Greyhound buses.
2: Oh yeah, oh yeah. We've lived through Six Sad World on Daria. We like Six Sad World is real. Hmm. Life, life is. You know, remember? Do you know Daria the cartoon? Oh no. Oh come on! Yes, no. you do. It's from the nineties.
1: Uh I don't know. Sorry. <laughs>
2: Okay, well, there's a thing on Daria called Six Sad World," and it's like parodies of like the news, and it's really just real life.
1: Okay, I'll have to okay. check that out. That sounds okay.
2: <laughs> you don't have to check it out. Um, you don't have to get crave.
1: Yeah, well, no, I think this. I think this was good. This was good to come out. This was like showing people at least the option, and and, and you have to you have to do pop magic. I mean. it's like it's all going to happen right so someone's got to do it all and you've told a a a fabulous story here that could be read in different ways I could can I show you what I mean yeah 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 this will be fun this is it's going to be it's going to be uh because 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 you know um with the title like pop magic the the only the only the only real question is is do you Give it a, a chance or do you just prejudge it and obviously prejudge a you know, harder thing to do is yeah well you might fucking millennials but
2: <laughs> For sure. um
1: you know you could read it like magic has taken me a dude from the suburbs of vancouver canada anywhere everywhere from hanging out with the man who taught oprah meditation to marilyn manson <laughs> tweeting about my art to some of the most secret behind the scenes parties in hollywood but the most important thing i've received is the VIP pass to the angelic space within that I needed to reach the divine will and the power to transform from an auto, from an automatic traumatized outsider attic boy into a connected recovered young man. See, first time I read it, it was sort of like that in my head. And then I thought, wait a second. What if I, what if, what if I was, cause I'm not necessarily the, the, the target audience for this book but there's a lot no, of- I think you're the target audience
2: me. to upset for the book. No, no, that's cool. <laughs>
1: Well, if so, then then fucking A, like uh, upsetting people, I'm down with that. But check this out. What? Magic. Magic has taken me. A dude from the suburbs of Vancouver, Canada, everywhere, from hanging out with the man who taught Oprah meditation, to Marilyn Manson tweeting about my art, to some of the most secret (laughs) behind-the-scenes parties in Hollywood. But the most important thing, i've received is the vip pass to the angelic space within that i yeah. needed to reach the divine will and power to transform from an automatic traumatized outsider addict boy into a connected recovered young man
2: yeah i get, I get it i get it right. I, it can it can be a, it's Wonderful. definitely a polarizing thing that can create a lot of different reactions into people and have people interpret it into a certain way i think it's very validating and unhonorable that that you as someone who really studies this stuff and understands the occult and magic and and all this stuff uh, gave it a chance and and read it and um it's it's really
1: crazy it's great i totally i totally recommend it yeah
2: yeah yeah I definitely. I think you know what I think it's good for. I think it's good for the first level of magic. Like, okay, get some stuff, and then realize that it's not the whole shebang. And then hopefully discover Kabbalah. Get, start getting into the advanced stuff. Gets get you know, like maybe it's it's to get the the um, fire of the loins. You know, <laughs> it's supposed to get the fires brewing. Oh yeah,
1: then and, and and I think it's very well done for for showing people sort of the avenues that you can take. Like like a lot of the people that would enjoy this book would be lost if you had like a chunk in it comparing uh, modern magic modalities with grimoire manuscript traditions.
2: <laughs> like, yeah, no. or if you I, can't like, do like... that.
1: But what you can do is get people excited to give this stuff a try and show them also the real world applications for for navigating some of the toughest social scenes you'll ever try to get into if you're in certain industries um
2: oh my god so you know which it's
1: which is a nightmare i mean uh you know the hunter s thompson quote about the music business what is it the music business is a shallow money trench a long plastic hallway where pimps and thieves roam free and good men die by the dozens it also has a negative side
2: wow well there you go and i think it it also is um especially when you're on a spiritual path, I can see how uh, delving into that industry in the material world in such a way where you're constantly surrounded by illusions and allure and ego and all this type of stuff, how fucking soul sucking it can be for a person and how people could just tap out and say, fuck this. I'm like moving to an island somewhere. Well, especially
1: <laughs> like, I can't imagine, I still can't imagine what it must be like for for your generation. Um, to try and like, I, I don't know how I would have navigated um, having the, the video games and the internet growing up. Like, I don't know if I'd be anywhere similar to the person I am. And I think it's remarkably difficult and remarkably important for, for the, your generation and all these uh, witch talkers, God love them. You guys are the best. I watch you all the time. <laughs> but for them to see that there's life beyond this technology they can use this technology to get involved in like some real life shit because the best magic you're going to do is out in nature or in a cool temple that you've made and with other people, right? It's yeah. not gonna, as, as effective as, as cyber magic can be. It's not the same thing. It's not going to fulfill you. And this is the kind of book that's going to get people excited to like try some shit out with their friends, like, like Scott Cunningham did for us.
2: Yeah, yeah, exactly. You know? Yeah, no, so, of course. I think like, and I also think that, that, you know, a big aspect of what you just said is, is that like also we're a part of a generation where um, the role of certain archetypes of people are now so cluttered. You know what I mean? Like it, it used to be, if you're a writer, an editor, a photographer, an author, that thing, like you used to be able to own it as your identity and that there was, you had a value that was a skill and, 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 and could be used. But now there's a million different versions and variations of you on the internet. The only thing that you can really offer is your individual soul and your individual will and how you manifest what you want to put into the world in a, in a way that uh, reveals your spark of light rather than um, kind of just like doing the whole numbers game and just like trying to be a uh, uh, fucking, you know, simulacra forever.
1: Simulacra. Yeah. <laughs> So what do you see as uh, you've 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 really put your foot into the occult world in a very real way with this uh, with this thing and with with the life that you led that brought you to it and I wanted to sort of how you see yourself in the occult world, but I realized maybe before asking you that it's maybe important to fill in one piece of the sort of puzzle that that the book touches on so powerfully and and very frequently without mincing words you're again i really think you 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 should be uh credited for a lot of the courage that you show in this book and revealing honestly uh, things about yourself it's something i certainly haven't done in any of my writing um that's public that's out there yet um you know some stuff you just you write and you're like that's great but i don't want people to read it
2: oh you know? yeah like the, the vulnerable <laughs> vulnerable aspects of myself yeah this
1: might not be good for my career but it's excellent writing and true but sometimes um the piece is this it seems that this process and your experiences led you uh through addiction and into a state yeah. of sort of mastery over that which uh, is something I've always been very uh, vocal about is the importance of sort of uh self-mastery is the way to and a magical approach through the things that can cause us to to have these vices i don't like i don't like the idea that that we're born this way i don't think that's true no no um yeah. and uh even though so there's programs out there designed to help people who are basically for for better work or you know for you know stuck in that position And there's not much yeah. the, they're not likely to get out of it but i think there's a lot of people that could use more direct spiritual paths through that.
2: Oh, for sure. I think um, my number one uh, relationship with um, addiction was, is that it felt like, um, you know, I really learned uh, through excess that pleasure does not work and it does not fix what is happening internally. And that when I started to, you know, study the Zohar for like hours a day or scan or, you know, um, scan the Tetragrammaton and like do more cabalistic things and, and more advanced forms of magic and like really uh, indulge in understanding that there's an experience for my soul that is beyond what I can get in the material world. Addiction started to become less and less appealing and, and my healing process came from from, uh, my relationship with spirit and with magic and, um, sobriety uh, is, is all about to me, you know, being straight edge. I don't want to alter anything because I find that my altered state of consciousness, it can, can just come from magic from just like dancing, you know, heavily on a full moon or, you know, uh, you know, changing my, my states through essential oils, you know, like things like that. Like I, I recognized that I wanted an altered state of consciousness, but it needed to be in alignment with my path as well.
1: Yeah. Yeah, no, that's, that's, uh, that's excellent. Um, I I noticed you mentioned uh, dancing and whirling and all that stuff. And I do that too. People mock me all the time for it. Like what motherfucker, what's your problem? If there's (laughs) a broom, I'll dance with the broom. I I think that's a great way to raise energy. It's not what I do, uh, you know, for, for Solomonic magic or, grimoire work but um you know for like when i do fairy magic i do a lot of fairy sort of magic um, do you have a fluorite stone stuff. oh i don't mess around with stones <laughs> yeah, of course i have stones but um no i do a lot of like sigil work for fairies uh um or for Enochian. like here's the one of the Enochian beings we've been working a lot with it's
2: a, oh that's so cool that, yeah that that i did a weird fairy sigil. ritual when i was it when i was a teenager and um I left out like hot milk or like, I just something like, so stupid. And um, like there, there was a symbol like drawn, like on the pavement the next day. And I'm like, what the fuck? Like, and I was like, I didn't even think what I was doing was real, but it was just one of those like stupid young magic experiences that it was just insane. So,
1: so when did, when did you, was there a moment where you, so you're practicing magic but still indulging in excess like culture and all of that stuff. Yeah. What, what, what was the moment where you realized, was there a turning point? I oh yeah, heard, there I was I a turning point.
2: That's why I wrote pop magic. Yeah. Um, I think it was from, I think people
1: would love to hear that.
2: Yeah. I think, I think that like rock bottom, like turning point was probably um, like uh, when I had kind of woken up one day and I had like, had had that kind of moment that like the kind of like person with like anorexia does when they like see their body and they're like, Oh my God, I'm that thin. I had started to connect that um, though. I was getting to, to my will, it was through a lot of chaos and um, um, blindness of ego and, and kind of being stuck inside this magical version of myself where I thought, Oh, I'm becoming huger. I'm becoming more powerful. And I was like, no, 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 no. I have to, I can't do this. And so I was like kind of led to Kabbalah because Kabbalah would always come up in like Donald Michael Craig's books and like all these magic books. And I was very like, no, like, come on, fuck. I'm never going to understand the Sephiroth. Like, this is like insane. Like this is, I have no idea about Kabbalah or whatever. And then when I started to get more into it and realized that it was about, um, you know, basically ego death and not, and and, and the opposite of the kind of magic that I was doing and this idea of like service and sharing and all this type of stuff that I just never really considered because I was so involved in my self-will. I was really um, very resistant. I'll be honest about it. I was very resistant about the idea of not coming from a place of ego and losing my ego because I was so attached to that way of being in the world with magic. And I went through that whole process and then I started to write this book and, and I kind of wanted to like, just like shut away that time in the in my life and, and, and tell this story. And that's why it ends in the way that it does like making it about how magic saved my life. Because this thing that essentially I thought was just me having a genie in a bottle ended up being really about, inner work inner soul transformation and 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 now as i'm getting older i'm less about magic to get things more about magic to to advance my relationship with magic if that makes sense
1: the last line of your book i love i hope i can make at least one person in this world feel less alone that'll be my greatest life accomplishment
2: i felt that way i really did
1: you know i was like a pretty depressed, suicidal kid when I was 12, 13, you know, the divorce and that yeah. stepmom that was uh, abusive. And uh, if it wasn't for a spiritual awakening and finding magic, I have no idea what would have become of me, but it really did feel like a transformation. And I changed so rapidly my life. I made change like over the next few years, it was unrecognizable and my 10 year high school reunion, which we had 16 years, after high school, because, uh, you know, Waldorf math. Um, <laughs> um, everyone in the class commented that everyone was exactly the same. Then someone was like, but not RC. Well, they didn't call me Fred RC, but, you know, but not RC. And everyone turned was like, oh, yeah, dude, you're a totally different person and way better. And I was stunned that's, that's, because that's it was – real magic. I was stunned. I was stunned. Like, why? why, you know – They seem different to me, but apparently not different to the proportion that I seem different to them. And, you know, I finished the Golden Dawn the same year I graduated high school and 18 months later got into the inner order and and really started to change during that whole post high school period. Also, I was a young guy growing up, so that went part and parcel and really meshed well with the... Uh, alchemical transformations going on within me and that I was intentionally causing. Yeah, no, you, you spirits, got really fairies and angels. You got VIP
2: treatment from like the, the universe. Like you were all set up for your path. Like it was Bro, in front of you.
1: If, but I had to, I had to create it. I actually had to create it. I had to create it through magic and force of will and, and, an inability to allow myself to fail at achieving those goals and any of those goals. Absolutely.
2: Absolutely. And like,
1: like so my, my weird celebrity story is I was at a tea party concert and I was watching the singer, you know, Jeff Martin and his aura was so layered and clear. I was like, almost like he was doing ritual magic. I was like, that looks like what mine and other initiates auras look like after doing LBRPs and middle pillars and,
2: wow, and wow. sort of
1: invocation. I'm like, it's so defined and so clear. I wonder if he's doing this stuff. And I was like, then I had a premonition that like <laughs> that he was, soul was like speaking to me and it was so weird. And I was like, well, I'm just going to keep becoming the best, uh, you know, initiate and magician that I can. And if I become good enough, he'll probably just hear about me and call me up one day at home. <laughs> and that's what he did. Wow. Yeah.
2: That's and we so
1: cool. became acquainted ever after. And uh, yeah.
2: Yeah, but well, that's that's so cool. I've got a,
1: best... I've got a, a whole book coming out on the Tea Party song lyrics and meaning and the magic within them and the oh band, wow
0: the band amazing members,
1: the band members signed uh, the 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 first draft because they were very stoked to see that. Are, are I was, you self
2: publishing uh, it?
1: No, that this one I've been well, things are the reason it's still not out is because of holdups and debates amongst that because you you know, um, just writing the forward and we've got. Proposals out to some other super famous people because he learned the middle pillar and the banishing ritual while he was on tour with Jimmy Page and Led Zeppelin. That's holy what he fuck. told me. So when he called me and asked me to be my student, he said, I learned, I started doing the middle pillar, he said, backstage with Jimmy Page before shows when I was opening for them in 94 during the Unleaded tour. And holy I was like, fuck. holy fuck. Um, but then I actually went and had to Google Jimmy Page because I didn't know who he was. And, uh, I was still I was still in seminary at the time, man. I, I didn't know who Zeppelin was. I was a Tea Party fan. He was my Zeppelin, and then you know, screen showed Jimmy Page and Zeppelin. It's like, so oh, strange to
2: not know who Led Zeppelin is, though. Uh, it was
1: 2005, and I, I sort of listened to very. I was more. Uh, I was. Were you listening
2: to like the Hives? No, I was
1: listening to the, I was listening to Queen, baby. I was <laughs> a Queen so... and the Beatles person.
2: That's um, so funny. That sort of stuff.
1: Yeah, I know. I didn't get into Zeppelin. I trekked out Zeppelin after. That. I'm like, oh. Oh, I get it. They're the best band that's ever lived. Now I'm in. Yeah, I didn't really realize that before then. Um, just by sheer chance, just by sheer chance, you know.
2: So weird for me yeah. to think that, like, like.
1: But there's my my one little celebrity. Kids, story. kids
2: today, like who are like ten years uh, younger than me, are like, like, what was it like, like when Fall Out Boy came out and stuff like that? And I'm like, I can't, I can't do this. <laughs> I was like, this is too fucking weird, like. They like look at like emo and scene, like MySpace culture, as like what I saw grunge as. Yes, yes. Oh, whoa, weird. But I really wish you a lot of blessings with that book. I'm sure it's going to be fine.
1: Yeah, I'm. I'm I'm literally. I'm so busy translating Hebrew, an untranslated Hebrew book, from on the Kabbalah that I, (laughs) I don't have time to worry about it. I'm doing oh, that. As are well are as you a, putting
2: out a book about Kabbalah?
1: I'm translating an untranslated Kabbalah book that's never been translated before. Um, cool. And uh, also doing a German translation of an untranslated German Rosicrucian manuscript that's never. been Are you getting translated assisted
2: before. by by angels for that?
1: Yes, I don't actually speak any Hebrew or German. I'm just channeling it all.
2: Are you so It might
1: not line up with the text very clearly. Like, the, are you joking? Are you serious? I'm <laughs> oh, fucking with you, man.
2: Okay, okay. okay. no. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God.
1: That um, is crazy. Yeah. Uh, with the uh, Hebrew one, uh, the text is so large where there's a couple of us going to be working on it, um, and it might take a while, but um, yeah, it's it's fun. So I'm not, you know, that that other thing, the other projects, and I've got a book on Enochian coming out as well. Um, not on Enochian, but sort of Golden Dawn.
2: Have you tried contacting Inner Traditions?
1: I've just had I had early on bad experiences with publishers and decide and then and then sort of I sort of sat back for a while, then like doing it yourself just became so easy and I really like that you know seventy five percent commission, bro. Yeah. No. Like, yeah. You like get, I mean, you get your bag. Not, no, we don't have to talk shop, but I mean, you get like a buck or two for this product yeah. yeah yeah which is fine because you get crazy publicity and all that stuff and it's it's uh i mean shit you didn't have to set this up at all you just like rolled out of bed and turned on the screen and here i was um yeah, whereas yeah, i've been know. going back and forth with your people and so that's awesome it's cool to have that experience especially for i think your first book and all that stuff but yeah, I, have, I, I have friends who work at random house and they've just been like dude, for, for niche stuff like you're doing, like, keep it on, on yourself. Cause I'm only looking at a niche market, but for stuff that could be more mainstream, it would make sense to go with a mainstream publisher.
2: Yeah, um, no. And I, and I get how you feel though. Like I get, I get how you, like,
1: I don't want to let, I'm never going to let someone else pick a title for me. not a yeah. million years. Um, yeah. I'm just not that kind of person. Um, no, 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 no.
2: Of course. And, yeah. and, I, you, and you, as long you, as you're, you're, you know, honestly it's not like people who are buying your book are like, Oh, he self publishes like people fuck with that more anyways, you know?
1: Oh, I, I always knew that once that that option came along, I had a really strong premonition when I was writing a lot starting like age 12. And I had a really strong premonition from this angel I was working with that said, just write what you, what you want to write, write everything in your heart. And by the time you're ready, it said, all you have to do is like push a button. Cause I was writing at like a 486 computer um you'll just be able to send it out to the world and you know i didn't i'd never heard the word internet back in jesus christ it was already written and so i just started writing and writing and and never stopped
2: do you know of the angel yiratel the what do you know the angel yiratel the kabbalah angel yiratel Mm -hmm. no it's a it's like a yeah it's an angel i've heard of recently
1: you like angels, though, in Kabbalah. So I'll show you one treat. Um, these are my, my, uh, my Shem Angel talismans I made back oh, in wow. like 2002, I think, the three uh, bunch Shem of us made them. So it's the like Shem Shem up, the Shem Afrash angels. Of so I've got all of those. And I've been working with them for 20 years solid. And that's why they're just out so I can. You know.
2: Wow. And you just scan them? Or?
1: Um, no. I, so I, either I scry them. Which would involve a uh, typical scrying, rather than giving you the what I think the best theory is. I'll tell you what I actually do um, for for a scrying session. Um, I'll find out where the planet is that that rules them, and um, I'll gen- sometimes banish, sometimes invoke, depending on what I'm doing. But actually, you know what I usually do is I purify and consecrate. I take the incense around the circle, incense me studeate, Benedictum ascendate, da Domine, in each quarter. I do a Latin psalm for purification then with the water asparagus made dominate so put when the harvest wow. made super new de alba my secunda magnum misericordia to do that in each four quarters that's my purifying concentrating lots of ways to do it that's just a way no, yeah, no, one that's that i awesome. like um, it works and then i'll do a um, either an lirp or a invoking <laughs> ritual of the hexagram yeah. usually i'll do a supreme invoking ritual of the hexagram for the planet corresponding with where the planet actually is and then i will sit down and take it up and scry it the other way i use them is holding them in evocation into a crystal or copper water scrying wool for doing evocation
2: that's amazing oh man magic's fun
1: man like we we, we're never going to get bored
2: no there's always going to be something new to learn yeah
1: It's, it's awesome
2: and I have no interest in in going off the path. I only have interest in learning more things and becoming more advanced at it.
1: Well, that actually takes me that to that sort of question. I want to sort of do you have a sort of a, knowing see, seeing the the witch, witch talk culture and all the 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 occult revolution. And I'm not opposed to it. I like I know we we joked around a bit here, but I really am not opposed to any of like I I made a joke at the conference Pantheacon when I was lecturing there the other year, and I made I said. And there's a lot of, uh, you know, sort of people here just for the bits and bobs and, you know, who aren't serious about it. And, and a woman turned around and, you know, senior sort of witch or something like that. I don't know. She was She's like, hey, don't knock it. It pays for all of this stuff. And there's like an 8,000 person conference. And I was lecturing to hundreds of people in a hall. So I was like, oh, yeah. What the fuck am I saying? Yeah. yeah like, you go. You go, girl. Like, like fucking Sabrina. Yeah. Supernatural whatever or whatever shows they want to do that 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 you know totally don't make good use of the golden dawn history which is a tragedy but still like throw occultism in in the popular culture space that's fine like like no one's no one's worried about none of us i think are worried about pop culture people like ransacking occultism and degrading what it is no
2: because it actually takes a lot of serious discipline and focus and 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 time and things that are not uh, you know there it takes a certain soul to do this work and to do it seriously so who cares if it's out there it's about who's willing to commit and go the long haul
1: amen yeah it's it's it it regulates itself i mean a lot of people just aren't gonna do what's necessary to get the really the most the most out of it and the most crazy results of it. and that's fine like there's like like we're talking it's our birthright magic's our birthright definitely we need to reclaim it um we need to reclaim yeah. that we need to reclaim the psychedelic and entheogen traditions we need to reclaim our entire spiritual nature because that is the only actual salve or balm that is going to heal like this sort of depraved um you know Malho. What do you even call this? Well, Malkut really is the ideal kingdom. It really is almost a layer above the physical world. And like we're like our own fucking projections within Malkut or on a slightly below it in like the Thaumi clipote of, of two contending forces, just barely below Malkut, but sort of co coterminous with it. It almost feels like that, right? Because like we just like are constantly dealing with two opposing forces. And the lesson is there must be us there must be one which is always us our to unite will. Them. yeah we must our unite influence the two opposing forces yeah. and that's what creates the triangle which is the symbol of you know harmony and, and our light. choice
2: and like our opportunity to be able to do Zim zoom, zoom to restrict to to delay pleasure to do all that stuff is is the gift of mahout
1: that's interesting that you reference zimzum in that capacity because i i i've liked using zimzum to explain a lot of magical uh theories and qualities and i think i think that's not actually a bad way to describe it more or less um, or one way to use it because that that kind of um contraction of that saturnine contraction of the self pulling back oneself from oneself creates a, a an aporia space for for yeah light for more light to come into, in right and we get the the rosicrucian saying that there's nowhere a void so if you create space lights what will fill it as long as yeah the, yeah the, yeah we'll of course yeah like
2: when we crush the clipa more light we give we give space for light to come in toda
1: i yeah. love that that's
2: yeah, awesome too, man. huh yeah, yeah
1: i really, think we got a good this was not what i expected and i'm delighted i was very excited to talk to you after reading the book i i, I really was so
2: yeah, it was, it was nice talking to you. It's really cool that you're in van and stuff, and hopefully our paths cross soon.
1: Are you actually on Instagram?
2: No, I have nothing.
1: Oh, so I messaged someone else who's pretending to be
2: you. <laughs> oh, what, really? What's their account? Um, uh, yeah. you like underscore Alex, because I'm here or something?
1: It's on, you know. What is it? It is... Oh, maybe I failed to post it. No, it's right there. Akazemi underscore.
2: Let's look it up. Akazemi underscore. Let me check. Right. No, he's not me.
1: Oops. Yolo. Motherfucker. I got people pretending to be me too, so.
2: It's fine. I think it might just be like my like, name or whatever. it's all good though um yeah i have a question for you to ask off camera
1: yeah no problem um yeah let's officially wrap this up then and uh man it it was cool it'd actually be really fun to uh, do a follow-up to this um yeah yeah that'd be really really fun because you seem to be like you're not only you've not only been through a lot like a lot but you've put out a lot and you're also still just going through this process and just flowing forward and really it looks like going to be developing a lot more and, and very well, I really relate to
2: what you said like that feeling of like you're just kind of moving with it and I think that's where I get a lot of complexity and frustration with myself because I feel like there's an aspect that I get to see where I know that I'm just in communication with my angels and I'm just doing out my will and I'm just moving the pen and I'm like, you know, maybe an ego aspect of me wishes I was someone else or things like that, but I'm just fulfilling what my soul is here to do in alignment. And then I feel like because of the performative aspect that I have created in the media and all that type of stuff, it like makes people not see that aspect of me, but I guess it's a part of that. I have to protect that part of me and that it's a part of my job to act that way, you know?
1: Absolutely. Um, yeah, I mean, don't hate the player, hate the game.
2: Yeah, it is one. Mm-hmm.
1: And but yeah, I'll ask you some, some with questions our fav- one you... of our mutual favorite artists. Uh, I think it's uh, the great Tay Tay who said, "Haters be hating."
2: <laughs> yeah, he. Yeah, Taylor's a great writer.
1: <laughs> yeah, um, you'll have to tell me next time uh, what it was like chilling with her and talking with her and doing ritual work for for her. Because uh, <laughs> yeah. you talk about that in your book, people. If you want to know, buy the fucking books. Buy it. Yeah, um, thank,
2: thank you. Buy, buy PopMagic. Yeah. Um, PopMagic.com
1: And if you're one of these experienced magicians who it's not for, buy it anyway and give it to someone who will be right for Because this is actually one of those books that will be right for a lot of people. It's not going to teach you grimoire magic, but it's going to get you excited enough to try things out so that you actually realize that it's worth It's going to arouse you. Buy grimoires and mm-hmm. learn Latin and Hebrew. Like yeah, you want, it's
2: gonna it's gonna keep it's gonna get the the batteries working.
1: <laughs> yeah, I didn't learn Hebrew and Aramaic because I love the 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 Torah and the Hebrew Bible so much. I learned it because I love the Zohar.
2: Fuck yeah, I love <laughs> the Zohar. <laughs> you know, I <laughs> oh, love the Zohar. That's
1: the real reason. So the Zohar um, has all the secrets. So shout out to our girl Tay Tay. Much love and peace, everybody. This is Kraderci and Alex. Kazemi signing off. Thanks for uh, go get your copy of Pop Magic and and uh, leave a leave a nice review. Ciao. Hermetic Science Enterprises is a publishing company based in Scotland, UK, that specializes in Western esoteric printed literature as well as educational videos. With various imprints under its belt, its roster consists of Grimoire tradition literature, alchemical works, Golden Dawn tradition books, and the several texts and videos originally belonging to the philosophers of nature. Besides its downloadable videos and standard hardcover edition books, Hermetic Science Enterprises also produces beautiful and precious limited fine edition books that are true pieces of art. For more information, to order any of its products, please visit www.hermeticscienceenterprises.co.uk hermeticscienceenterprises.co.uk.